Welcome back once more to the last segment of Talking Point and a very important one that we are going to be dealing with. I mentioned earlier on when I gave you a rundown on the issues we'll be touching on and I mentioned, remember, gender transformation in the legal profession has been a hotly debated topic for quite a while. As far as uh, the legal issues go, mine ends when I sit with lawyers here, we do the legal hour, we deal with all the issues around that affects our community and they give free advice and I need to say thanks, Shukran, very, very much to those lawyers who so willingly come through. This evening we we, we are dealing here (coughs) with an issue, I'm certain many of you are quite uh, aware of it, that there has, has been a major concern when we talk about gender transformation, there were other sorts of transformations that that's Lacking at the moment. I have with me Feroz Siria, executive member of the Black Lawyers Association and advocate at the Cape Bar. And then I also have Feroz Nagia Ladi, advocate of the High Court of South Africa and a member of the Cape Bar. And then Pearl Matabila. Have I got Pearl? Very good evening to you. Hi. I, I pronounce your surname more or less correctly? More or less, okay. it's Matibela. Okay, you won't take me to court. <laughs> no. Matibela, social justice activist and advocate at the Cape Bar. And she was previously an attorney. Ladies, thanks, Shukran, very much for your time with us this evening. And I want you to unbundle this because I have an understanding. I know there's always been a concern. Uh, around transformation, particularly gender transformation uh, within the, our legal system. And um, I want to just check here, Farouz Nagia Ladi, double battle surname. I want to kick off with you. Now, you can very recently, um, the National Association of Democratic Lawyers Western Cape, in partnership with the Foundation for Human Rights, you hosted a dialogue session. Uh, and that was held on the 1st of August under the heading gender transformation within the legal profession. And uh, you said to me, there are various other topics that were discussed. Give us a bit of um, input on what happened. Why this, mm-hmm. these debates going on at the moment? Yeah. Um, in terms of the dialogue session, it was actually the second um, annual uh, dialogue session that the, the, that the National Association of Democratic Lawyers held. Um, we had uh, various um, members from um, females and males uh, from different institutions within the legal profession. I do, before I do digress, I just want to holistically speak about um, the reasons for that, um, this particular project and also a movement uh, that has been taking place to um, realize gender transformation within the legal profession because it will take nothing less than a movement. Um, if, if I must be totally honest, that single um, and sporadic initiatives uh, that comes by once a year is not enough uh, in order to realize gender transformation and that's also part of why we want to raise consciousness around that. Um, Pearl, as well as um, Syria, has have also been part of um, a broader movement um, to realize gender um, equality within the legal profession. That particular project, which is the second annual one, which was held by Nadal, um, had stakeholders, stakeholders from various institutions like Legal Aid South Africa. We had members of the Cape Bar. We also had uh, people from uh, private law institutions, uh, as well as... Um, uh, if I could say it's justice, we had the NPA there, not enough. We had hoped more had come. The essence is that we had women from these various institutions. And what clearly came out was that transformation within each of these areas in the legal profession mm. is much needed. We have 
Um, as as you've probably seen in the media uh, with the Cape Bar, there's been lots of pressure concerning the need to transform, which has been coming on. And I think my colleague Pearl will also be able to speak around the stats which indicate the importance um, and also why this is necessary. Uh, but essentially, that's why we're here. We're here today to raise consciousness around that. A lot of the issues which came out was the institutional um, systems cultures and structures which perpetuate gender inequality uh, patriarchy and racism mm. um, there's also the uh, when it comes to the need for um, the uh, I wouldn't even say capacity building but capacity building of young the young generation of lawyers coming in and I don't mean those who had practice for eight nine years because when we uh, there seems to be this impression that if you're black you forever need to be mentored mm -hmm. You're never the experts. Mm -hmm. You're never the professionals. Uh, so it's the new entrance into the legal profession um, and an understanding that those who have um, practiced for a number of years and once you've gained competency, just because you're black does not mean you still need to be the mentee perpetually. Um, so those were some of the issues that came out at the dialogues as well. Uh, so there seems to be a unanimous um, push and identification of what's going wrong in the system and what needs to be mm -hmm. done. Okay, uh, and let's switch over. Shukran very much for that. Thanks for that, um, Feroz. I want to switch over to Paul Matabela. Um, your take on it, you were there, and I believe when we, we sp we're speaking gender here, but I also do know that uh, just very recently I was reading an article, it was a letter to the editor, on a particular lawyer in Cape Town that everybody's clamoring to get to this guy. And I don't know, well, one of them said to me, it's a white lawyer, he's, he's brilliant. So I'm a, <laughs> what makes him brilliant? If, if I'm a black guy and I sit with the same sort of degree, um, but I don't want to take, put words in your mouth. <laughs> From your perspective? Well, um, I think we have to acknowledge that the legal profession exists within South Africa, a country which has a history that um, was focused on the oppression of um, one group um, by another. And that oppression um, happened primarily on the basis of race and also on the basis of um, gender. Now, <clears throat> generally as a society, we have this perception that white people are better than black people. And to answer your question, you know, the, the, the people outside the practice, the legal um, profession would say, well, a white lawyer is um, better than a, a black lawyer because automatically um, one assumes white people to be um, better than black people given our history. Um, and obviously, at sitting here with my colleagues, we do not agree with that, um, with that view. There is... Um, evidence which in fact we don't need but there is evidence you know to to support um the view that black people are just as capable and in many cases in fact more capable than white people um the same goes for women there is this perception that women automatically are inferior intellectually to um, males whether it's, it's their um, counterparts in the same race or not and again that view is baseless um and i, I mean in terms of the progress that the country has made generally in terms of um, gender empowerment, I believe, you know, that that um, as well um, um, gives support to, to, to that view that women are just capable, if not more capable, than their male, white, um, male counterparts. 
if we look at statistics, but before we go there, <coughs> I also want your input on this. Yes. <coughs> My input generally is that, yes, we have women and we have uh, women in the legal profession who have constantly been placed in a position where they are seen to be, uh, well, I, I wouldn't say held back in the profession, but held back in the profession due to the fact that they are just merely women. So you have this perception where women come specifically to the bar, for example, where your male counterparts see you as a woman who have practices family law. You immediately are put into a box. You are, med you are immediately uh, put in a position where you are you know, put in a position where you are practicing a certain part of the profession. We are not good enough to perhaps do company law. We are not good enough perhaps to do uh, mercantile law, shipping law. These are areas where you find women lacking in the profession. So generally when it comes to women, there is this perception that we can do certain things only and we not cannot practice certain other aspects of the law. So when when we look at the statistics of gender transformation, and that will, Paul will be coming back to, to, to that in a moment, um, you see this perpetuation of women in the lower numbers, males being in the higher numbers, but as far as we as black women are concerned, those numbers are even further pushed to the level where we are in the lower numbers, particularly in the legal profession at the bar. And when we speak for the bar, I think this is where we, as, as, as our practice, where we practice and, and where we understand the numbers and how it's being window dressed in order to fill transformation blocks to show that we are transforming, yet we are not transforming. You, you may have recently also seen the newspaper articles which has come out from the bar, mm -hmm. the general bar, where it has been in the Cape Times most recently, where it has said that, yes, there is transformation, but particularly where black and female have not been particularly uh, transformed as they should be. And this is a very contentious issue at the moment, which really needs to be mm -hmm. dealt with. So transformation is lacking, I can say that, particularly gender transformation and particularly where black women aren't being transformed as it should be and sufficiently in the numbers that we should and need to see at the bar. Again, I, I will go back to my colleague, Matibela, Advocate Matibela, who will deal with the statistics and I will come back to me as well where I can also deal with a few of those statistics when it comes to pupillage, mentorship and issues like those. Beautiful. Uh, in fact, well, I want to go there because I had a look earlier on at the uh, percentage attorneys by gender and then the shocker for me is percentage attorneys by race. Wow, the, the spirit is there. Over to you. Um, well, if we're talking about um, the practitioners at the bar, and, and here I wish to um, focus on the Cape Bar where we all practice. Um, the stats uh, are just, uh, are just uh, incredible. Um, it's unbelievable that in 21 years we sit with the stats that we sit with. Um, these are approximate figures based on stats as at 26 February 2015. So there's um, uh, differences of one or two here and there. But these give you, um, will give you a, 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 fi um, a good idea of, of where we are sitting at. Um, we have approximately 465 practicing advocates at the Cape, Cape Bar, and of those, um, over 77% are white. 
And if we break it down in terms of um, numbers, of the 465 total membership, you have 286 white males and 78 white females. And when you break it down in terms of black, by black I mean in the Mm. generic sense, you're looking at approximately 103 black um, practitioners out of a total number 465. Now, if you again look at it from a gender perspective, you are sitting with 78 white females and 44 black females, total figures. And the question is, where are we headed what have we been doing in the past 21 years surely something needs to be changed and it needs to be changed very very um radically and very very urgently um we certainly can't be sitting with these figures 21 years after after the attainment of our democracy particularly in a profession such as ours which is the legal profession which should be at the forefront of pushing um transformation issues and and and, and empowerment issues I just want to point out that the stats, if we want to look at what these stats mean, and I think it it goes without saying, that when it comes to issues of race, when it comes to issues of the intersection between race, gender, and class, it is clear that things need to be done concerning that. Now, when we see 78 to the 44 that we have, there is even a disparity uh, disparity between uh, white female practitioners and black female practitioners, which also need to be addressed. A lot of the times, um, and we see this in government institutions, uh, we see this across the board, probably even private um, private firms, law firms, when it comes to a matter of tick, um, you know, ticking that box mm. for gender transformation. The preference would always be to rather go to a white female than to go to a black female. So inevitably, we're still going to see that racial and class disparity um, in terms of the trend, mm. what we're going to see now. And that needs to be put a stop to it, because if it's not uh, stopped at a point where, look, at 78 to 44, a lot of work still needs to be done in terms of class and, and, and race. Um, and if it continues, we're going to see that disparity even widen. So we need to put a, a stopper to that. Mm. And and this is where we, I'd like to come in, uh, uh, Mr. Wallace, Jamil. Oh, Jamil, that's <laughs> good enough. Um, my, my issue is when it comes to transformation, we need to start at the intake. And if we are going to continue the way we have been continuing at, at our bar, for example, at the Cape Bar, and, I, and I, I've got to go back to where we practice, because this is where, where I am and this is where we are, where we find ourselves. In 2015, we are practicing females at the bar. We've been there now for two years, and we haven't seen change that I can say has indicated to us that things are getting Mm. better. We are actually regressing in my opinion, and this is just my personal opinion. But let me just take you quickly to why I say the intake is such a a, a crucial issue that we need to deal with. At the Cape Bar for 2015, the intake of pupils to do pupillage at the Cape Bar for 2015 has been as follows. 11 black people were taken. 13 white people This is in 2015. Of those white people, I'm going to break those numbers down further. They took in four white males and nine white females. One colored male, three colored females, 
two Indian males, zero Indian females, three African males, and two African females. Out of these numbers, Jamil, if you take these numbers and you break them down carefully, we take nine white women as opposed to the three colored males, three colored females, one colored male, two Indian males, which translates to a total of five, 12 black people. So those numbers clearly tell you mm. that we need to really look at how we are transforming, what we are doing, how we are changing things, especially at the intake. Are we encouraging people to come into this profession? Are we encouraging black women to come into this profession? Or are we discouraging black women from coming into this profession with these types of numbers? And this is why I say transformation, especially with regards to gender, needs to be as as my, my, my colleague, my learned colleague Fairus has pointed out, we need to be a bit more vigorous, we need to be a little bit more radical in our approach to in order to change things to see that these disparities do not grow even further than what they have grown now, as we have seen for the past two years that I can say we as practitioners have witnessed at the bar Beautiful. itself. Ladies, I just need you to hold that thought there for a minute. I must tell you, I almost shocked the air of disbelief on, on what I'm hearing what are we looking at 20-21 years into our democracy we claim to have the one of the best constitutions in the world and things were going to be rosy and we still sit with this we're talking here about gender transformation in the legal profession Feroz Syria is with me Paul Matabela and then also Feroz Nagia Ladi also want to encourage our listeners I'm not able to take your questions telephonically but if you want to send us an SMS then use the number 47913 and I'll post and I'll uh, share it here with the delegation that's here with me um, certainly you might be sitting at home with uh, something that you are dying to say to us get it off your chest 47913 back with you after Ads. Well, we keep the focus on gender transformation here in the legal profession. And as I said, I'm simply blown away here by what I'm hearing. I was just saying to the ladies, but to 21 years into our democracy, we, we are claiming to have one of the most vibrant, um, when we talk about democracy, um, a democratic uh, constitution that, uh, you know, everybody is equal and uh, the law but it doesn't seem to be like that if you are studying law I, I want to kick off with you um, Pearl you were going to issue or talk about something you mentioned to me so by the way gatekeeping, gatekeeping. Okay, beautiful over to you gatekeeping um, <clears throat> you know with, with, with our democracy and with the country generally trying to move forward um, new problems develop and in the arena of um, transformation and empowerment one um, sees the development of the only black this phenomenon uh, or mindset and the legal profession as it is currently constituted and as it was uh, or has been historically it's, it's, it can be termed as an old boys club 
Now, in the context of gender transformation, you have a situation where women who come through the ranks on, on the basis of affirmative action end up becoming one of the boys and thus, you know, gatekeep. In other words, they close um, the doors to other um, women who are coming through and you too ha have to go through the same hoops that they went through in order to belong to this old boys club. Instead, instead of making things better, changing the culture altogether so that it takes account of the changing society that we are living in, um, you have these people who come, come through the ranks and essentially make sure that it's a lot more difficult for other people coming behind them to get through because well the attitude is that i went through the same thing so should you and that is something that needs to be addressed unapologetically um to ensure that it doesn't continue to happen mm. if i can also um certainly and this uh, these uh you would like to probe that issue further um in fact, let me pose these two questions. I've invited listeners, uh, don't lose your train of thought there, but uh, I thought um, the first one would be, the question is whether women want to be in the legal profession. That was the, you know, as a lay person, thought I was banding around in my head. And I'm going to give you both at the same time. And then the other one saying, what have your guests done to change the ratios? We all would be getting there because if I look at the... Um, the e events that was hosted, uh, I'm certain it was not the first. You want to respond to that, Paul? <coughs> um, the second or first question, do we want to be in the legal profession? Of course we do. That's why we are sitting here. Uh, mm. <laughs> we wouldn't have gone through what we've gone through if we didn't want to be there. Um, the difficulty is that the legal profession, the culture in the legal profession doesn't want us there. Oh. And it's a constant battle mm. and a battle that we are prepared to take on. Um, we have no we have no issue with that. We want to be there. We, we are, like I said, just as good as anybody, if not better in most cases. Mm. And yeah, we will mm. we will soldier on. Other things that you ladies want to focus on, but I want to pose this. This is what I thought earlier on when I thought, when I listened to you and I thought to myself, are we monitoring the universities? Or do we have the student numbers coming in and wanting to study law? Well, again, like I said, you know, we, we have to um, take account of the society we live in. The, the issues um, at, at education level, from your primary schooling all the way through to varsity, um, as such that the girl child is excluded at some point or, or other. Um, you know, that the reports of girl children dropping out of school for a variety of reasons uh, have been um, spoken of over the years. You find the same thing at, at adversity. Generally, adversity at intake your first year, you generally have more females than males. However, when you get to the final year, the figures are, are, are the opposite. You have more males than females. And, and, and it's, it's, it's socioeconomic issues mm -hmm. that, that lead to these um, sort of challenges. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think it's very important to understand that through every phase in, in the life of a female, 
there are uh, push and pull factors that cause attrition. Attrition both at university level and also once they're in the profession itself. So people can say, oh no, we're upping the, or we're lowering the barriers to access. But what are they doing in terms of supporting women at academic institutions, as you rightly pointed out? Mm-hmm. And then also, what are we doing to retain females once, once they're inside the profession? Now, um, for, and, and from coming from a very traditional Muslim family, being a lawyer is not something that uh, families normally encourage for their female children. In fact, they normally try to talk them out of it. Um, what I'm trying to appeal to here is also to say, mm. don't do that. If your child, your girl child, has the potential to do this, there is scope not only in terms of um, being a lawyer, arguing the matters, but in every single um, facet in society, there is a role to play if you have these skills. So don't Try to talk your child out of it and try to support them as much as you can if they want to pursue this, especially the female child. Um, then in terms of the, the, the why women leave both in terms of when you're in um, academia and also when you're in the profession, there's this thing called black tax. And for those who understand that and, and coming from an Islamic background as well, mm. you have a pressure to, especially if you come from a certain class, you need to be able to assist your family. And the expectation is always there. Um, so there's that push, uh, that there's that pull factor that, that prevents many women from finishing their degrees because there's, you know, we need to provide back home as well. And I know it's, it's underestimated how much that, um, that need actually impacts women's decision to leave, uh, whether you're studying, whether you are in, um, you know, struggling to make it as a professional. Uh, that also happens once they're inside, once they're practicing. When it comes to being an advocate, you have one full year after your studies, after your five years of studies, you have one year where you're not getting any remuneration. Um, so that is always bearing on your mind. It's always there to pull you out of the profession. Um, when it comes time to starting a practice as an advocate, it's also very difficult. There is no income um, at the beginning. There's also no steady income until your third year. So we know that there's no financial support um, that can not only sustain your business, but that black tax thing. Uh. Also, very strong pull factor outside of that. So there are those elements. And then there's also when women want to start families. By the time you're starting, you're 23, uh, you know, going on. That's the most productive years in terms of biology, in terms of childbearing as well, uh, which is another thing that weighs heavily on women. So if they want to start a family, it's very difficult. And you may say, oh, there's a few bursaries um, for women who will assist, that will assist, but it doesn't accommodate. Mm. There's much work that needs to be done Mm. to ensure that there's proper financial assistance to women broadly, not just to eight, not just to four, Mm. but women broadly. So you have that. um, And then also when it comes to being able to stand on your own feet and attract the briefs in order to stay there, I spoke to a female, um, a male, a white male colleague recently, and he said, you know, I'm so surprised because when a female starts to show in the profession, you see how um, attorneys start stepping back and the briefs dry up. But with me, when, and this is what he said, when I started my family, when we just got the baby, they said, no, don't worry. If you need to take two weeks with the brief, take two weeks if you need to. And there's always the other kinds of support that would come out to ensure that, you know, he's okay in terms of finances, but not for the female. Wow. For the female, people step back. 
briefs dry up mm. because you're starting to show. And that is something people need to interrogate. Why are they doing that? Okay. Absolutely. And we just, ba- I'm yeah. assuming we're just barely scratching the surface here this evening. It goes much deeper than that. Well, the, the lady you just listened to was Fairuz Nagi Aladi, advocate of the High Court of South Africa, and a member of the Cape Bar, and then Pearl Matabela is here with me of the Justal, the social justice activist and advocate at the Cape Bar and she was previously an attorney. And the lady that's going to that you're going to listen in, be listening to now is Fairu Syria, also an executive member of the Black Lawyers Association, an advocate of the Cape Bar. The issue we're touching on this is this evening and I got this gut feeling that we're scratching the surface, the just the top of the surface here, but I'm certain we are going to go much deeper with this. And I think as lay people we are getting an understanding of this. Bruce, over to you. You wanted to uh, comment there? Jamil, I wanted to just raise one other thing that uh, Fairuz Nagyaladi was uh, discussing now with regards to these prejudices that are you know, practiced against females when they, um, you know, come to the bar, you know, pregnancy and, and the like when briefs dry up. There's one other very important aspect that we also really need to take cognizance of and that is the fact that Firstly, we sitting here, the three of us, we are three women. So apart from the fact that the briefs will dry up if we're pregnant, we're not even going to see that brief because we're just simply black. And that race is the issue for us. So apart from the fact that we are women, (laughs) the three of us, we're simply black. So we're not going to, you know, we're part of a culture where transformation is lacking for women in particular. And that includes white women. But we as black women are even further pushed back from getting or attaining those briefs because we are simply black. So either you have issues with the fact that you are a woman, like Fairuz Nagyaladi has pointed out, the black tax, the, the, the issues that we fall pregnant, the briefs dry up. We're black. We don't get the exposure that we should be getting. We are not uh, uh, carried forward in the profession or sustained in the profession mm-hmm. like we should be because we're simply black and we are women. So apart from those difficulties, those are the difficulties that we face in addition to that. That's why you see our numbers, which are so low, particularly what I dealt with at the Cape Bar and particularly at the intake of pupillage. So these are issues that also need to be addressed with regards to when I come back to that issue of window dressing. And I, 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 I harp on this simply because at the end of the day, in order for us to see some real change and some real transformation, we've got to stop with the window dressing. Stop ticking that box of saying, yes, we've transformed when we've taken nine white mm-hmm. females into the Cape Bar. And we've said now we've transformed because we've, we've ticked the block of transformation of women. That is not gender transformation, Jamil. Gender transformation is to bring forward women such as ourselves sitting here, black women particularly, because we have suffered even worse than what anybody else has suffered. Because apart from the fact that we are black, we are also women. So tomorrow, if I fall pregnant as a black woman, apart mm-hmm. from the fact that I'm not going to be getting the briefs, well, I, I hope I don't fall pregnant. But I'm sorry, I just had to share no, that. It's okay. <laughs> Apart from the fact that you know my briefs are going to dry up, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm have, having to 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 guard myself in, uh, in the sense that uh, oh my goodness, I hope I don't fall pregnant. Mm. So so doubly these a bigger are problem. These are the face. realities that we are facing every day as black, black women. women. And it, it it just becomes even more difficult. I'm going to. Uh, 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 leave that with you and 
can go to Paul now. Paul, just before, uh, just another SMS that's come through. It says, Salam, Buddha Jamil. It's sadly that this kind of racism is still very prevalent in most fraternities, particularly the legal one. Oh, Paul, over to you. Like I said, um, old boys club, that's what we are dealing with. And was that old, uh, was, was, was the complexion of that old boys club, it's white. Um, it may it may sound, you know, r- r- racist to say that there is racism, but the reality is there is racism, and one cannot be apologetic about it. One cannot tiptoe around the issues. Um, it's going to make some people uncomfortable. It's going to make others angry, but it is what it is, and we need to deal with it on that basis. But but I also um, need to touch on just to add on what my colleagues have have said. I need to touch on on other issues that further disempower women, and 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 one of them is the issue of sexual harassment, something that is um, rarely spoken of in the profession. Because again, this is the legal profession. People do not expect there to be issues such as sexual harassment. Last year, the Center for Applied Legal Studies um, released a report where they, after they conducted um, um, a field research, and one of the issues that came up came out was sexual harassment. Women find themselves in situations where they have to um, give sexual favors in order to receive work. And even where they don't give the sexual favors, they are somehow abused sexually and they keep quiet because if you speak about it, well, then you will just be further marginalized. Nobody Mm. would want to touch you. Nobody would want to work with you. Scary things. It reminds me of Kusato. Let's not go there. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You know, um, I'm certain that... (coughs) It's not going to end here. I mentioned the International Association of Democratic Lawyers, Western Cape, and I was so glad to see that the Foundation for Human Rights partnered with you. I'm certain there would be others mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, they're, quite, uh, they, they, they're kind of stalwarts in the sector as well. And even in um, as part of the dialogue sessions that we've been having, um, we had speakers from the Foundation for Human Rights who also highlighted many of the issues that we are speaking here, mm. uh, speaking about here tonight. Um, so that's been part of this movement. I, I'd like to go on to the issue. You've, you've the, one of the questions you've asked was, what are we doing uh-huh. um, in terms of gender uh, transformation now I do in fact it came from a listener okay uh, great thanks to the listener listener. asking the important questions Um, I do want to to kind of address uh, something that 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 is kind of linked to what Pearl was saying about the um, the gatekeeping Um, a lot of the times when people are there um, obviously there's going to be resistance to change and part of that resistance is kind of pointing fingers to say you people are just making a lot of noise because you want briefs that is all um, and I want to make it quite clear that that's not the reason why people are complaining today because obviously when it comes to looking at the systems we might not see um, the change to the extent that uh, you know we're going to benefit from it but certainly the women who are going to come after us are going to benefit okay, from it and we're quite realistic about that um, so we're not going to let that keep uh, us quiet to say oh you people you just want briefs that's why you're making a lot of noise um, I think that is extremely uh, it, it's, it's counterproductive and it's also an insult to the struggles that women are facing every day not in this uh, just this profession but every mm-hmm. single profession mm-hmm. um, uh, Paul uh, um, 
who has been busy quite extensively in terms of trying to address this and perhaps she could speak a bit more about some of those um, activities in this movement uh, that she's that that um, that that she's she's been endeavoring as well um, so just to answer your question yes we do have lots of good partners like the Foundation for Human mm-hmm. Rights the BLA um, women's um, <coughs> Nadal um, as well as movements such as which Pearl is um, you know has been really spearheading um, have been fund- have been really playing a very um, key role in creating awareness around that. Um, the one thing that, that is very important to understand is that the issues, and I've spoken about this at the beginning, uh, the triple oppression of women in terms of race, gender, and class. Now, we have a lot of, um, there are a handful of women who have been who have benefited from certain initiatives. These initiatives are sporadic. Um, they are not sustained by any means. They happen maybe once in a couple of years. Um, and those initi- initiatives are punted in order to show that gender transformation has happened, and we know that that's not the case. So we often hear the very good stories about these um, these women who've made it despite all of the challenges. I think that we need to be very critical and understand that of these few women, we we have to look at the issue of broadly um, that they are the majority of women do not come from a place where there's support, enough financial support that they can lean on going forward in their career. Um, There's also not uh, that kind of institutional support where these uh, people who have benefited from these fast-tracking initiatives, and we celebrate them. We do. It's hard. Even though you have those supports, there's still um, various barriers to that. So we celebrate every single win um, and every single success of our fellow women who've reached there. But I do not, that I certainly hope that it doesn't dilute uh, that understanding that for the broad masses of women, that is not the realities. Um, so when we when we say that we need these systemic and structural changes, it's generally for the benefit of the masses um, that we want to see that um, spill, uh, spill across so that they can also benefit from whatever initiatives. If things are going to be superficial, we are going to, we're going to have a handful of people that will be fast-tracked through. That's not what we want to see. Beautiful, Ferus. I'm going to ask you just to hold that thought. We need to go for a very short break and we'll continue our discussion on gender transformation. In fact, it's not only gender, it's race, gender and class. Back with you off. Well, Talking Point continues. We are in the last few minutes of it. And again, I want to encourage you. We are having a very, very, I must say, a an eye-opening discussion here with the three ladies I've got and that goes around the legal profession so if you I, I cannot take your calls but certainly if you send through an SMS I'll post the question to the ladies that number is 47913 47913 Bill, you wanted to um, get the ball rolling <laughs> last part of the show um, <coughs> well um, as, as Feiru's um, Nagia Lady earlier intimated um I've been also involved in, in, in a number of activities which are essentially aimed at ensuring that the issue of transformation is at, um, addressed with the urgency um, that, that, that it requires. And, and one of those um, activities has, inclu- has included um, staging a demonstration in, in front of Parliament um, for a total of 30 days um, from March, um, the end of March to the end of April. And 
my my colleagues, both my colleagues here, have also participated in in in, in that process, and, and a number of other of our colleagues have participated in that process. But I must say that what spurred that um, decision to to embark on this protest action um, has been um, years long of observing how um, um, docile um, and timid. Um, many of us in the profession are because we have a, pro- a profession that is intolerant of dissent and many people um, become victimized um, you know for saying the wrong thing essentially and from when I started in the profession as, um, as a trainee at 10 in 2002 I was immediately struck by the oppressive um, cultures and practices of the profession and at each institution I've, I've been in, um, I've always cha- challenged the status quo. Um, similarly, when, when I got to the CAPA, I realized that something needed to change and needed to change urgently. And in fact, um, you know, this has been confirmed recently as um, Feru Syria earlier intimated by the issuing of a press release by the General Council of the Bar. Um, which um, is, is, is the body that um, to which all the bars around the country, um, 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 of which they, they are um, members, it's, it's essentially issued a press release saying, in the 21 years of our democracy, we have fo- failed um, to transform. And they've made, um, you know, they've taken resol- resolutions of how to go forward. But my view has always been that the people who are most affected by the lack of transformation have to um, take the bull by the horns mm-hmm. themselves and make sure that transformation happened. Because what has happened in the past 21 years has been a situation where these changes are driven down, are driven top down by the very people who do not want to see transformation, um, which is why we are sitting where we are still sitting today. And my own um, view is that we, all of us, need to be actively involved in, in, in uh, ensuring that we see the change that we want to see. What, Pearl, there? You wanted to add uh, anything to that? Uh? I can only support what Pearl is saying. Mm. Simply, um, it, was a, it was a difficult decision for us to make to go and protest. Uh, we have our colleagues who sit comfortably in their chambers, scared, terrified mm. to join us. Uh, they don't want to be victimized. They don't want briefs to disappear out of their hands. They sit in silence. They suffer in silence. The, the, the important thing that we need to also take cognizance of, uh, uh, Jamil, is that people are briefed on an ongoing basis by the state. Now, these briefs translate into um, money, obviously, for us as advocates, and we, we are briefed by them uh, through transformation processes. Uh, gender particularly where the state attorney has to brief women on a, on a, on a, on a regular basis and obviously you know we, we get briefs in this way um, the issue that Pearl was referring to was driven also by her need to protest simply because the, 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 the manner in which these briefs are, are allocated mm. also needs to be taken cognizance of it doesn't uh, help us in any way as women advocates of the bar to get a brief merely one every two years for example I'm a recipient of, of, of one in the last two years 
it, it doesn't sustain me at the mm. bar. There is no consistency where that is concerned. And, and, and this is the reason why we took to the streets as advocates. Secondly, we come to the bar wanting to further ourselves at the bar. We don't come to the bar because we want to just survive. We want to further ourselves in, in, in with regards to the profession in getting those briefs which translates into furthering our knowledge and to put us in a position where we can deal with pertinent issues in law. Coming to the bar, it was a fantasy because these are not the kind of briefs that are being passed down to us. The quality of the briefs that we are given does not translate into furthering us as female practitioners at the bar. And this is the reason why we took to the streets. And this is what needs to change. This is the real change that we need to see at the bar, especially for us as black women. This is what we need to see translates and comes down from the state to us in terms of briefs giving us quality briefs for us to further ourselves in our profession and to take us further to prove our competency in this profession. Beautiful. I mean, yes, yes, an SMS that's come through and it's exa- exactly, well, there's more coming through now. I thank the listeners, but I'm running out of time here uh, saying I simply can't believe what I'm hearing. What is, why is government not doing anything about this as they have been doing in sport where the quota system had to be adhered to? Uh, earlier on, I was thinking, and I thought, oh, it's going to be a stupid question. And what I'm saying, where's Dula Omar now? Where's our Minister of Justice? Um, Farouz, you wanted to add to what uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Paul said? I'm, I'm very conscious of time, and I think perhaps I should kind of give my, my concluding wrap-up. Um, I do want people to understand one thing about the advocate's pro- um, profession. Firstly, it is a referral profession. So what that means, each and every advocate, particularly those at the bar, um, um, and Right across the board, if you don't follow these rules, you can you can be dis- you can actually lose your your um, your right to practice as an advocate. We are dependent on referrals by attorneys, so we cannot go and approach people directly. Uh, so, in terms of that referral um, process, it's very important that that reflects. Um, the needs of um, of what we're saying now, the need for transformation, it needs to be reflected in that process. When it comes to state attorneys. Um, you you know I think one thing that state attorneys need to bear in mind is that when it there, there is a definite um, difference in the treatment of uh, black professionals and black female professionals uh, that cannot be denied. Um, it's it's often overlooked, but it's it's not only a matter of not receiving um, you know briefs in order to sustain your practice, but also a kind of demeaning, humiliating um, treatment of black professionals that really touches on one's dignity. So yes, we we rely on attorneys for those briefs um, but also um, in the background it does not mean that people's uh, dignities uh, need to be um, impacted um, in terms of how um, ad- advocates are treated particularly mm. black female um, um, practitioners um, so it, it, it's definitely interlinked um, I think that it's important to look at what various institutions can do when it comes to uh, the bar the bars for instance you can actually ensure that there is a process whereby your seniors um, have to actually empower juniors 
coming in which will allow them to sustain their practice so in other words there's a fee sharing agreement that can take place where you will um, take on um, a junior um, advocate with yourself in your various matters and you can then fee share so the attorneys don't really get impacted by how much they will pay or the client doesn't get impacted by how much they will pay um, but you as a silk or you a senior counsel will be able to fee share with your juniors uh, that is something that needs to be strengthened um, and then there's also um, a matter of um, making that, uh, you know, there's there's been resistance to mm. that. We said that there are certain bursaries for pregnant women at the bar, uh, but that was also resisted. It met with strong oh. resistance, and we are aware that whatever systems and um, recommendations that need to be implemented will be resisted. As I say, do it boldly, do it courageously. There is a need for it, and the time is now. Mm. Unfortunately, I've got to wrap up there. Uh, any future uh, programs or meetings that you guys are uh, going to have? I see this one that I have the document in front of me was the 1st of August. Uh, Petitions, anything coming up? Yeah, there will be. There will be further dialogues with um, members in the profession because that came out um, in the dialogue session itself. So looking at the different areas, we will go and we'll try to surface some more of the challenges and recommendations in going forward. Bruce, keep us posted. I must tell you, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this interview. It was a real eye-opener for many of our listeners. Look at the SMS streaming in here. I'm certain that you've, you've lifted the lid here on something that is very, very concerning. My guest here this evening was Feroz Syria, executive member of the Black Lawyers Association and advocate of the Cape Bar, Pearl Matabela, social justice activist and advocate at the Cape Bar and the previous attorney, and then Farouz Nagia Ladi, advocate of the High Court of South Africa and a member of the Cape Bar. Ladies, I say to you, Shukran, I would love to sit here much longer with you, but I'll, I'll make some arrangements to have you back here once more again, but keep us updated on any developments that happens. I say Shukran to you and I say to you, Assalamu alaikum Pearl, for your um, being here this evening, your presence, thanks very much and a pleasant evening to you as well. well thank you. Thank you well, from time. here, Jamil, it's been my pleasure, my privilege being in your company. Yusuf Fisher standing by. I must apologize for the nasal sound. I've got a terrible cold. So I say to you, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Lekarant an almal. Yeah.